You may ask, how did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Let's Talk Torah. I am Rabbi Tzvi Jacobson with NRM Streamcast, and we'll spend our time learning Torah, talking Torah, and having fun while we learn. You can always send your questions and comments to our mailbag at letstalktorah at gmail.com, and I will answer as many as I can. You know, on my last show, I started with a pretty amazing story. If you missed the story, you must go back and check it out. And I'm doing it again. I know somehow a lot of times I like to end off with a story, but somehow these stories are so fantastic this week that better I start with a story, get through the story, and everything else we get to afterwards is all uh, um, icing on the cake, as they say. So as a fundraiser, as one of my um, jobs, um, I do actually appreciate this story. And I think you will too, even if you're not a fundraiser. It's just a very beautiful story. So there was a great rabbi. Um, he's no longer alive. His name was Rabbi Gifter. He was the head of the school in Cleveland, in Cleveland, Ohio. And he was going. To, he went to Mexico to fundraise. And there was a very, very wealthy man that he was told to try to see. But everybody knew that this man was so busy that even if you got into him, you, you couldn't even talk to him. But this Rabbi Gifter decided he was going to put in the effort to go see this man. He'd gone to his house, and, and he wasn't home. And, and finally, after numerous phone calls, um, this man said, Look, come to my office 7 o'clock in the morning, and I'll try to talk to you. I'm, I'm really very busy, but I, I'll try my best. So Rabbi Gifter got up early, made his way to the office around 7 o'clock in the morning, and he's brought into the office, and the man is on the phone, and the man is on the phone, and this phone call, and then the next phone call. And uh, the man was just immersed, fully in business mode. Just the, the, He was oblivious to everything happening around him. Just, just the phone calls, just business. Um, after a while, the businessman says to Rabbi Gift, he says, you know, I, I know what you're here for. I just don't have time to talk to you. I am so busy. I just don't have time to talk. I, I, I know you're here. You're looking for donation. I, I don't have time to talk to you. So I give to says, you know, I don't want to talk to you about money even. I don't want to talk to you about a donation. But I, but I just have a question for you. Um, I did go to your house. You have a beautiful mansion and gardens and, and trees and bushes and all the rooms, and I, your wife brought me into the house for a few minutes, and there's so many rooms, and the decoration, everything is beautiful. It's just a beautiful home, and, and the scenery, and the air, it's beautiful. <clears throat> Sorry about that. And it's beautiful, your home. Your home is, is magnificent. When do you enjoy your home? When do you enjoy your family? You're, you're so busy. So the man said, the house? The house is not for me. The house is for my family. And the man said, if one wants to achieve success, 
he must be totally immersed in business, in his business. I'll say that again. It's really very powerful. If one wants to achieve success, he must be totally immersed in his business. Rabbi Gifta said to the man, he said, for all the money in the world, you've given me a much greater lesson that anything we want to be successful in or with, if we immerse ourselves into it, we'll be successful. If it's just like, you know, we, we dabble, we play with it, it's not our life, we won't be successful. Now, mind you, after that story, I don't want you to think that, uh, that that's what life is all about, that the guy has no life and all he does is business. Yeah, he's successful, he's a very wealthy man, but if he can't benefit from everything he, he's earning, like, what's the point? To wait till he's 80 years old? And then to enjoy it? Remember I told you that story? Uh, we'll get back to this thought in a few minutes. Um, but I, I told you that story with the fisherman. Where um, a, guy, a guy's fishing, everyday fishes, sits on the dock, goes out in his boat, and a wealthy businessman comes to him and says, like, what are you doing? I'm fishing. Well, don't you make a living? Yeah. You know, I catch a couple fish, I sell them, and I'm good. No, the businessman says... You got to work. You got to put in hours every day, 10 hours a day, 12 hours a day, make real money. So the fisherman says, and then what? Oh, and then you become wealthy. And then what? Yeah, you'll be able to buy stuff and bigger boats and houses and your children will be dressed properly and your wife will be dressed properly. And then what? And then you'll work and you'll put money away for retirement and you'll work for 30, 40 years and then you'll retire. And then what, said the fisherman? What do you mean, and then what? When I retire, what, what, what can I do when I retire? When you retire, you could sit out on the dock, and you can fish, and you can enjoy. So the fisherman said, I'm doing that already. Okay, I hope you got that. But in any case, Rabbi Gifter said, let's, let's, let's review that line. Right? The line is, if one wants to achieve success, he must be totally immersed in his business. That's us. Right? You want to be successful for argument's sake in Torah study? You got to be immersed in it. You want to be successful in uh, some type of good deed, kindness, helping others? You got to live it. You got to be immersed in it. And you will be successful. And that is just a fascinating lesson, which leads us right into this week's Torah portion. When we Full, full, completely immersed. What does that mean? So there's a very interesting verse in this week's Torah portion. We're in Vayaka Pekudei. This is the last, Pekudei is the last Torah portion um, of the book of Shemos, of the book of Exodus. Um, the book of Exodus, um, as we said, if the book of, of uh, Genesis, of Bereshus, is the creation of the world, the book of Shemos, the book of Exodus, is the creation of the Jewish nation. We're slaves. Moses comes because God told him to, takes us out of Egypt. We get the Torah and we build a tabernacle so God's presence will be amongst us as we travel. We are now a nation. Right? We don't really become a nation until God gives us the Torah. No matter what anybody tells you, the Jewish nation is a nation because 
we accepted God's Torah. That's what makes a nation. Absolutely nothing else. Everything else is very wonderful and very beautiful. But what makes us the Jewish nation is that we accepted God's Torah. And then God rests his presence amongst us in that tabernacle. It really says we build a tabernacle and God rests his presence in us. Fine, that's a few weeks ago we talked about. Um, but this is the creation of the Jewish nation. Um, the next books are going to be really more about uh, a lot of the laws, the laws of the priests and, and, and our travels in the desert and, uh, and then Deuteronomy where we're going to get uh, a review of all the laws that we accepted, the 613 mitzvot, the commandments. <clears throat> so that's the book that we're about to complete. We're never finished. We don't like to say the word finished. But that's the book that we're about to complete. And when we complete that, we say, Chazak, Chazak, Venis Chazak, that we should all be strengthened and, and continue to be strong, continue to, to study. So, we need craftsmen. We talked about in the last show that Bitzalel is in charge of all the construction. But let's look at the jobs we need over here. We need goldsmiths, right? We need people that know how to deal with gold. We're going to have to make molds and, and forms and boxes and... Uh, and platings. We need silversmiths. We need to, to make sockets and, and certain types of like strings and bulbs. We need coppersmiths. We're going to have to make the, what's called the kiar with the wash basin. And there's going to be sockets for the courtyard and other sockets made out of copper. Um, also, it'll be the, the, the covering and, and the mesh for the outside altar. Um, we need weavers. We, we, need, we need people to make all the different tapestries and the, and the tent from the goats here and the people to work with leather to make the final covering of the tabernacle. We need people that are experts in, in carpentry. They've got to build all these, these, uh, these posts and pillars and it has to fit into the sockets properly and they have to fit into each other and we'll have boards and, and poles that will interlock them. And, and what other jobs do we need? That's a good start. I'm sure I'll think of, uh, of a couple other jobs along the way. There's meshing that had to be made. and So we, these are real jobs, right? So we got a little bit of a problem. Because <clears throat> the problem is that the Jewish people have been slaves for a long time already. Right? The hard labor was minimum 86 years. Right? We've been in Egypt for 210 years. We were bricklayers. Right? I don't know if you've ever had... Many years ago, I went to an auto show. Of course, it was canceled this year. Um, hopefully in June, supposedly, um, they've changed the location out here in Michigan. If It's going to go from Detroit to Pontiac to uh, one of these racetracks. So my kids like it, so I get tickets. I have no problem. I have friends uh, in the auto industry. Um, so many years ago, I went. I was talking to a guy, and I said, you know, what do you do for a living? And uh, he says, I, I pour cement. Okay, you know, that's it. So he says, I just pour cement. And for whatever reason, I asked him, like, you ever think you're doing anything else? I just pour cement. Okay, fine. We didn't have a very long conversation. I try, but uh, it was not successful with him. In any case, we're bricklayers. We are slaves. We've just left Egypt. What makes you think our, our, we have the fine motor skills, the years the decades of experience to do fine gold work, to work with silver, to work with casting, to work with copper, to be carpenters, to, 
to sew beautiful tapestries. We're exact. We forgot all about the 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 sewing and the weaving for the for the clothing for the priests. Where exactly do you think um, we've picked up all these skills um, to do to do work as an artisan? Like, where'd that come from? Right? Where'd we get it from? So uh, I believe the Abayanel says that. It says, um, anybody whose heart donated. What does that mean, anybody whose heart donated? If you truly, and we said our word immersed before, if this is what you want, if this is what you desire, if this is, if this is your all-in to go ahead and be, for argument's sake, a master carpenter, so God put into you the thought process and the talent and the skill to just walk over to Bitzal and say, Bitzalel, I want to be involved in carpentry. Great. He looked at you. He probably asked you a few questions to make sure you were real. He says, great. Um, go over there. I got the, we're putting together guys that are going to work on all the wood. And the next one comes in and says, I got to do tapestries. I got to. I can do it. Okay, no problem. Um, you'll go over there. They're working on the looms now. They're putting the, the looms together and they're getting the material and the and the different colors, and you could start working over there, and you want to sew, and you want to spin, and you want to dye, or anything you want to do. So that's this idea, right? If you're all in, right? If you want to build, if you want to weave, if you want to, if you want to deal with, with precious metals and precious stones, you could do it. It's amazing, right? And was, again, now, obviously nowadays if somebody comes and walks in and says... Uh, and says that uh, I want to do carpentry. I'm a master carpenter, but I, I don't even know how to hold a hammer, right? So that's silly. But, but God gave them that ability, and that's, that's this week's Torah portion. So um, I don't know how well you follow the news. Um, it seems in uh, the United Kingdom, Burger King is, uh, w- I mean, it was a cute idea, but like all cute ideas, somebody was not paying attention. So they sent out a tweet because they were trying to get more women to work in their kitchens. So they said, you know, um, something to the effect, I actually didn't see the tweet, but something to the effect that, you know, um, where are the women in the kitchen, right? A woman's place in the kitchen. And you can imagine nowadays that uh, that did not go over well. However, I would like to give you the Torah's um, perspective on uh, when people think about equality nowadays, and women and men are, are equal, and, and how dare you say that a woman's place is in the kitchen, and don't you realize a woman's place is in the boardroom, and she should be the CEO, and there should be just as many uh, women CEOs as male CEOs, and let all the men go ahead and do the cooking, and right, it's, you're, 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 you're putting women in a... In, a, in, in, in the home where they don't belong, you got to let them out of the house and you gotta, you got to give them freedom. So without getting into all the details of what people say nowadays, because it doesn't really matter, but let's back up and look at how the Torah views women in these Torah portions. And the fact is, it says that the, a few things, it says the women came with the men to donate, talks about, and um, it's fascinating. By the golden calf, which we touched on in the last show. So what happened was Moses goes up to get the Torah. He's supposed to come down after 40 days and 40 nights. They miscalculated uh, by one day. 
as Moses coming down tomorrow, they thought Moses coming down today because you need a day, the day with the night, and uh, and he goes up the first day, so it's missing the night, so it's really one more day. So the the men wanted to make an idol. They wanted to go collect the material, gold. So they go to their wives, and the wives say, I'm not giving you my jewelry to do your idol. Get lost. not happening. So the women were, were actually rewarded for that. They actually, um, they don't work on the, what's called Rosh Chodesh, uh, the beginning of the month, um, is, is one of their rewards. They also got to go into the land of Israel. All of them, none of them died in the desert like the men. So um, in this week's story portion, it says the women came with the men to donate. So, and they were like first in line, pulling off the jewelry. Why is this important? Because maybe the women didn't want to donate for the idol because they don't want to give up the jewelry. Women like their jewelry. I don't know if men like their jewelry. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. But the men were willing to give. But the women, you tell me the ladies didn't want to give to the golden calf. Maybe they just like pretty things and they're not interested in giving their jewelry. How do we know that the reason the women did not want to participate in the golden calf was because they understood that it was an idol and idols are forbidden? How do we know they were better than the men? How do you know? Maybe they just like the jewelry. Because now that we're collecting for the tabernacle, and now they're running to donate their jewelry. So now you see they're willing to give their jewelry for a good cause. But it has to be a good cause. And that cause, of course, was for the tabernacle. Okay, great. So now we know it's not just because they like to hold on to the jewelry. So that proves to us that they were not involved in the golden calf, not for selfish reasons, but because they knew it was wrong. Okay, great. So another reason, by the way, is a cute, uh, a cute thought, and that is, it says the women went with the men to make sure the men gave their jewelry, right? In other words, the women didn't want their husbands to go bring the donation because they said, last time my husband gave jewelry or whichever husbands gave jewelry for the golden calf, if I give my husband jewelry, how do I know it's going to make it to the right spot? I'll just tag along just to make sure. So that's, you know, um, smart wife. But in any case, um, it even says that, the, that women are given what we call bini yaseira, an extra understanding. We never, the Torah does not put down women. It is true that in this week's Torah portion that it says it was the wise, understanding women that did the, the weaving because that is a talent that women have. There's nothing wrong with men having certain talents and women having certain talents. There's nothing wrong. We are different people. I have talents that, that are good for me. You have talents that are good for you. It does not take away from you, or take away from me, by the way, that you can do something that I can't, and vice versa. The Torah says women have talent. The Torah says men have talent. The Torah wants women to take care of their children. The Torah wants women to take care of their family because... The, the family is being attacked. When people say that uh, women's rights nowadays, when they're going ahead and saying what's important for women to do, what they're really trying to do is destroy the family. And if you, if you start getting deep into what's happening, they're destroying the family structure no matter what they say. 
doesn't mean women can't work. We've had numerous interviews with women that are quite successful running their own companies. Nothing wrong. But, but the Torah is telling us what's most important is the family, and the mother is the one that's going to make sure that that family is a solid, healthy environment with good, healthy children. If it means that, that women can't start their careers till the family is a little bit older, so be it. But you need to know where your strengths lie. You need to know what's important. You need to know what God wants from you. And you need to know. Now, that's also part of the problem. And I was always that old Good Housekeeping magazines, which are the woman in the kitchen, and, and they made fun of it, right? Because they want women out of the kitchen, because they they don't want to they don't want to believe that that the best thing for the family is to have a healthy mother. No, the best thing is that the lady should become the CEO. Forget about her kids. Let her kids become gangsters. Let her kids get into drugs. Who cares, right? So you need to know that the Torah respects demands respect for women. And you see in this week's Torah portion that the Torah lords over and over again the place of the women, and it's okay. Right? In other words, if the Torah is telling me that this makes you special and this makes you important, then why can't you be happy with that? And uh, one of the uh, important lessons of this week's Torah portion, I only have a few minutes left, um, the beginning of Ayakel actually talks about the laws of Sabbath. It says you got to keep Sabbath, and connected afterwards is the building of the tabernacle. And there's an extremely important lesson that comes along with that. And the lesson is that as important as the tabernacle is, remember, by building the tabernacle, we talked about in the last show that, uh, that the world sees by the tabernacle being built that God wanted a tabernacle to to have his presence in the Jewish people's midst, that God would, would bring his presence down amongst the Jewish people only through the tabernacle, right? We need the tabernacle so God's presence can rest amongst us. That's beautiful. That, to me, sounds pretty important. However, as important as that may be, but you cannot build the tabernacle on the Sabbath, and we happen to learn from there, um, the what's called the 39 malachis, the 39 head categories of what's forbidden on the Sabbath, and they're all things that have to do with the building of the tabernacle. Um, the whole process of, uh, of creating a loaf of bread from plowing and planting and, and watering and harvesting and winnowing and threshing and, and grinding and kneading and baking, right? All those things are forbidden. And everything that gets involved in dyeing to make the tapestries from, again, from the planting and the, and the crushing and the soaking and the cooking and the actual getting the, the color to, to hold and, and the spinning and the, and the shearing and the, and the weaving and the setting up of the looms. Again, all this gets us through between these two things almost halfway through and the, and the leather and the trapping and the slaughtering and the and the cutting to size, and tanning, and and uh, just all the preparation to leather, and cutting, and hey, there's dying over there also. Anyways, so Sabbath is as important as a tabernacle is that God's presence comes down. It does not supersede any 
laws of Sabbath. So it comes out really very fascinating. When we look at what the, what the tabernacle represents and we look at what the Sabbath represents, um, Sabbath makes the time holy. The tabernacle makes space holy, right? We have a tabernacle. God's presence is here. That area is holy. You can't go there unless it's the proper person, proper time, proper situation. But as, as important as space is when we discuss holiness, time is even more precious. And time is even more holy. And that's what the Sabbath is all about. Sabbath is the time we make to hang out with God and family, by the way, which is just brings us full circle. And of course, my music is now playing. So therefore, as we say, I hope you enjoyed it, short and sweet. Thank you, of course, to all our wonderful sponsors and listeners. You know I can't do it without you. Thank you to my wonderful production team. We have David, Kelsey, and Alan in the back. I hope I've left you with some food for thought. Until next time, I am Rabbi Sweet Jacobson. You've been listening to Let's Talk Torah on NRM Streamcast. Until next time, don't forget to think about it. There's a house.